As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Michael Bailey. Steve Hankles is trying to tell me I've had too much caffeine in this episode, which again, I find incredibly rude. I say again because obviously we've recorded the whole podcast and I've got to not say again because that hasn't happened yet. But there you go. Apparently you will soon find out. Through this wonderful podcast, I was joined by, because they're here, Jobal. No. And JJ McKenzie. Yo, not that. Michael's coming hot today, so <laughs> or rich. Yeah, he's running rich. Look forward to look forward to this. Rich, I'm running you? very rich. Yeah, the fallout is going to be horrendous, but none of you will see it. It'll happen on a train back to Norwich. That right? <laughs> could be hot. Could be horrible. We didn't just talk about that or that. Uh, we spoke about loads of things. They were Arsenal's relentless march to the Premier League title and the lovely, lovely Leo Trossard. Oh, Leo now. No, I've, I've embellished it. Leandro. Yeah. But again, His I've done that. His name is Leo and he dances on the sand. I've done that, you know, retrospectively to the podcast that hasn't happened yet. So mm. I don't... It's fine. Uh, the relegation battle. Fulham have had a good season. That's good. Maybe it's going to start to unravel. Maybe not. Maybe they'll qualify for Europe. Who's to say? Jaden Sancho as a number 10 for Manchester United, which was a storming success. Or was it? Maybe it was. Nominative determinism. Uh, and how I... Oh, and how easy it is to say. <laughs> Can't even make my own jokes. How hard it is to talk backwards. We should have written that backwards, Steve. One for next time. And an in-depth <laughs> discussion of the Europa League and Champions League. Really. I thought we really, really I thought we really hit our heights in that, yeah. those two sections. We, yeah. And and just generally some better. Steve is currently trying to write that previous sentence backwards. It's uh, <laughs> abusing to watch, but he seems to have now stopped. That's a shame. <laughs> uh, if you want to hear actual in depth, how he's we 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 went through those competitions in real depth, but if you want even more real in-depth analysis of major European competitions. You should read The Athletic. And you can do that with a three, di- a three dial of 30 days of trials <laughs> for all of the 30 days. At what point do we have to re-record it? I'm just going to keep going. I think we'll be keep fine. Going, keep going, keep going, says Steve. It's fine. He's still typing that backwards. You are remarkable. 30 day three dial for the... Ath- oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a 30 day sp- it's three... Tri- three free. A 30 day free trial. What is happening? I'm not attempting... A 30-day free dial. trial the, at the, the Athletic. free dial. Where you can read the, the pieces I write. Backwards. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I can write better than I can talk. 
Is and it true can... that you write your pieces backwards and then translate them Steve, to... Steve translates Steve it translates, for me. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. great, really. It's really useful. What have you read on The Athletic recently that made sense? I read um, a piece that I referenced in the podcast that... Excellent. It's future... Don't spoiler alert. Well, uh, it's fine. <laughs> All about how um, the European football might change and where it might go and what might happen to it. Since You know, it's an interesting piece. Loads sure. of stuff to learn. Loads to learn. What else did I read? I read some stuff. Excellent. Today, I enjoyed it all. What the hell did I read? It doesn't matter. Well, he's read it. JJ read it. That was a good thing. I, enjoyed, um, I enjoyed a, a really good match report of the uh, the game between Lowestoft Town and uh, AC Filed, AFC Filed. They weren't as they are now called. They they weren't called that then. Uh, what were they called? I thought you might ask me that. Kirkham and Wesham. Oh wow! Is that's, that a lo- is where is that? Where is that, that? Is near Blackpool. Oh okay. So that's a long long. Just wait until you find out what about that. Anyway, third day. <laughs> I just thought it would be funny, right? You know, um, this is a relevant... That's a high bar. It's, okay, it's got to be funny now. It's, well, not necessarily not. You know how these footballers all wear the under... Um, under armour. Under armour, yeah. So it's, you know, it's like the it's like a morph suit, but not, right? Why don't they do it so then they like, draw like fake abs off <laughs> the thing so they look all really strong? You know, they do the outline. And then pull their shirt when they score. And yeah. Just like, and, yeah. <laughs> they have... <laughs> just really comedy one. Yeah. You should just draw them on with like mascara. You can do that. Can't no, you? no, it's like a marker pen. Even would be good. You know <laughs> yeah. how in like it's always sunny and get a yellow card for like. Because then you would just have the body. Pecs. I mean, you could you could do that on the podcast. I've got this because I've got like. A, a, a imagine if JJ pulled up. Well, like. Imagine if JJ pulled up. Oh his wow! Shirt it's like it's, it's like a morph morph suit. Exactly. So if you, there's Ben Chilwell, is a picture of that in one of the athletic articles. So then he just drew the abs on. That'd be great. I mean, we. We we have the we got the memo of jumper the well, jumper I, yeah memo. I dressed up like you or, 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 to encourage or me, you. you to encourage me yeah the man management no oh. no it's <laughs> more to hype you up oh, I liked it yeah John you didn't wear a I didn't but I have jumper. drawn abs and pecs <laughs> on on my very chest can we can we see it John maybe, draws maybe, abs maybe on later. his bare chest he doesn't even wear under armour <laughs> yeah. he just does it all the time maybe later save it for the outtakes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> remember I was talking about a 30 day free trial to The Athletic yeah of course you do uh, you can get that at theathletic.com forward slash TIFO that is theathletic.com forward slash TIFO oh uh, what have you written backwards there Steve <laughs> my lord which is probably cool hands and warm embrace I would imagine but you could say this and then if you go to Drake because Steve could reverse it they could just edit, edit it and it would like sound a... you see if it sounds like what the thing is yeah. possibly go for that do that uh, and that cool hands and warm embrace is apparently of Coronation Street's Michael Bailey so there you go uh, here's the podcast yeah it it looks na na mra ekarb me. Yeah, but the problem is, is that that's not backwards, is it? If you, back, no, it's, it's if we the, get it right backwards, it's going to say embrace warm and, and hands cool. The <laughs> this has worked. <laughs> Let's begin with Fulham nil, three Arsenal. Arsenal's march towards the Premier League title continues unabated. And thanks to Leo Trossard, who I'm now, sco- I'm now just calling Leo. And he is a great signing in Arsenal's march towards the Premier League title, which is definitely happening, isn't it, JJ? 
Yes. Uh, I'd like to call him Leo now as well. Yes. Leo the lion. Rawr. He is roaring. He is a roaring success. Yes. Did you know that he is... Check this stat out. Oh, no, wait. I've got rid of it. He is the first player in history to get a hat-trick of assists in the first half of a Premier League game on a Sunday. Away game. Away game. Key detail. You'll never sing that? No. The first player to make a hat-trick assist in the first half of any away game. Remarkable. Underlines his impact at Arsenal and the way they are marching towards the Premier League title. They were very, very good in this first half, though. Like, genuinely, they were great. Fulham, Marco Silva said that they were too soft after the game. I think he's completely correct. No aggression whatsoever. They had a a clever... Not clever. Well, yeah, maybe it was. The the blocking system, the start of the the pitch. High up the pitch! Fulham were there. So, you know that Arsenal want to become the, the back three, then a two with Zinchenko helping out party there. And so to stop them being able to build up from the very start of the game, Fulham came out and the 43-1 became basically there was a front two who were blocking the pass into the two and then there were three surrounding those players. So Arsenal couldn't play through that middle two. And uh, for about, well, this worked really well for about two and a half minutes. <laughs> and then after three minutes, uh, Arteta or Xhaka just realised if you just pull out wide to the left back position because the, the wingers would normally be able to receive a pass wide because they're free Martinelli and Saka are free and the wider area see what that angle they're man marked by the two fullbacks so Xhaka just pulled out and then they've got the pass on then he turned it through Trotter drops in to receive the ball and then that was that fixed but then what you had was a lack of aggression getting tight to Arsenal trying to stop them early and they almost just watched them play through them Arsenal looked like they were playing uh, like three leagues above them they were so much better Anthony Robinson, uh, guilty of just terrible defending at, the, at two crosses specifically. I can't talk today. Too much coffee for me, Michael. Well, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I've had no coffee. You've had none? I'm absolutely fine. That's not true. <laughs> How much have you had? Uh, it's a good healthy two cups. That's... I'm buzzing. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, that was that. And then Fulham came out the, the second half and were a lot better. But yeah, Trossard's assists. One was a corner. Uh, and I think... Gabriel managed to get free of his man, probably shouldn't be able to do that. There was a little block on, they managed to get him free to be able to head the ball down. And then Trossard had a clipped cross to the back post, but Robinson should definitely, definitely have at least put a challenge in on uh, Martinelli. And then the third one was a uh, cross that just got ahead of Robinson, I think, jumping for it and it missed him. I think it was Robinson, it might not have been me harsh on him. And that was that. That was that. Just to make the point, you, you had a co- you've had coffee from your cafetiere. Yeah, I've had loads. <laughs> Did you, you, you found it. Yeah, yeah. Did so you, now I'm drinking all the coffee I can. Until someone else nicked until it. Until time runs out. Did you find out who nicked it? No. Oh. It doesn't matter. You, it sounded like you did. If someone you else would have used... No, someone else would have... It doesn't matter. This is not a story for now. It's, okay. it's too <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> Can we keep it for the outtakes at the end? Uh, fuck. No. Uh, yeah, anyway, what was I saying? Or what were you saying, JJ? Arsenal marching towards their Premier League title. I, I'm not sure if we're supposed to be talking about Fulham, actually. but uh, So, yeah, Arsenal won. That was great. Um, and Leo Trossard... Loads of assists. Fulham running out of steam a bit. John? I mean, running out of steam, maybe. Yes or no will do. Well, uh, the the, un- the underlying numbers. Michael's coming so hot. <laughs> this is great. Fulham have been running a little bit rich this season, according to the underlying numbers, which I don't think... I mean, it doesn't matter that much, right? Because who cares? You, you overperform your underlying numbers. You end up in the top half of the table in a season when your goal is to not go down, right? Is it sustainable? Probably not, but who cares? Because over the course of the first half of the season, they've got themselves into a really nice position to stay up, uh, and that's what they want to do. So 
I think that there's a the, there's a few things going on in terms of like they're probably regressing to I mean a little bit. I think a lot of teams are probably well the team in the Premier League it's a brutal league. So you play half a season and then all of the analysts of all of the other clubs have plenty of data and tape to look at and be like this is where this team's weaknesses are. They yeah. put you off as well, though, don't they? Like Marco Silva's already been linked with here, there, or everywhere. Paulinho is is, oh, yeah, is yeah. such a great player. They're Going full to of Manchester like, United, can he stay yeah. for another season? Probably yeah. not, because you know the proper teams, <laughs> sorry, are gonna are gonna just sort of take him, and then and then what do you do? Yeah, and I think that's the big question with Fulham is is you've stayed up this season. Now the question is, what do you do over the summer to to approach the next season? Because I think there's a lot of teams who do well in their first season in the Premier League, and they assume, oh, you know, the Premier League's easy. We've we've solved that problem. Now it's a case of of, of just kicking on. And the Premier League has a funny way of biting you in the arse when when you have that approach. I can say that as a Leeds fan because we finished ninth in the Premier League, and we were like, oh, Premier League's pretty easy, isn't it? Imagine. Do you mean specifically the word arse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. I, I will allow it. Uh, at least you finished ninth, Norwich. Yeah. So, but I, I, and that's the big question, right? What do they do in the summer? Like, the, they can't expect to have this this sort of level of overperformance again next season. So they're going to have to change something. And the question is, like, what gives? You, you, who, which of the players you're going to bring in? You're going to change your tactical system up in any way? Like I say, e- everyone in the Premier League has the an, the analysts to be able to just di- dissect your game and. Cause, cause you problems in the second half of the season when they see what you're doing in the first half of the season. So you have to constantly innovate. You have to constantly think of what's the next thing that you're going to do. You have to, when you're a team like Fulham, as you say, you have to be aware of the fact that if if you've done well, then there will be other teams looking at your players, your manager, etc. So you have to have all of these place, uh, plans in place. So yeah, for Fulham, <clears throat> they've, they've run a little bit hot, but um, who cares as long as you've got the long-term plan. I, li- I like that you used the word that they were running rich. I like the idea of running rich and poor. Over Hong Kong. That's it's like, a, it's a sort of class car thing, there. isn't it? It's like if you're running a little bit rich. F1. F1. Running rich is a bad thing, though, because when you're running rich, it means that you're burning more fuel than is efficient. Yeah, yeah, so I should be saying they're running lean. I don't know. The drain on society. It's a bad Fulham, idiom. Fulham are a, foot, a football's drain <clears throat> on society. They do deserve huge praise for the recruitment job they did in, in the summer and how it took what was obviously an incredible championship football team into a very good... Premier League football team. And that is Paulinho the epitome of that, isn't he, JJ? He's a lovely footballer and he probably won't be there next season. Well, this, I mean, you can see in his absence what difference having one amazing player in a team like Fulham makes. So like Mitrovic is a hugely important player. He's Serbia's all-time top scorer. He's still quite young. He's like 28, isn't he? I think something like that. He doesn't look that. No, is he 28? Maybe even be younger than that. I'm interested in work out, work it out. How old would you say he looks, it? John? Who are we talking about? Sorry. Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Keep up. Oh, yeah. He looks very old. Excellent. <laughs> He's 28. I'm dead right. Yes. Wow. So, um, yeah, but Paulinho, so signed from Sporting uh, for a bit of money. He puts up numbers that are very similar to N'Golo Conte in that loads of interceptions, loads of tackles, but he's a just very good footballer, really good in the ball, but reads things superbly out of possession, so he can clear up loads of gaps. And those players, I think, are really important in any team. Like, you saw the difference that... Uh, I'll just like, Casemiro's one for Man United they needed a player like that for ages he comes in does that sort of job and when like Chelsea when they had Makaleli there they put him in reads all the things that are going on around him and makes things better like Kante's one of the best that's done it in the Premier League he's so good at that in a different way to those players I just mentioned but Paulinha really important to them when he's not there you can see they lack the aggression in midfield they're trying to replace him with a couple of players who weren't able to do the same sort of job 
even when they've got two in the same sort of position for Fulham, and they'll be better when he's in there. It's any team's better when they have their their best players, and Fulham only have a few really individually great ones. So Lukic is probably a fine player. He's not anywhere near as good as Paulinho is, but Fulham got lucky with that, and to the point he'll then move on to somewhere else. I remember when Didi Hamann went to Newcastle; he was amazing at Newcastle, and he was only there for like one season at most. Was it even a few that months? Sounds right. He went to Liverpool straight after. Uh, I remember that being a thing. Just when these players come in and they're excellent. Uh, when Alden at Newcastle came in, was so good, and then straight will be picked off going to Liverpool. But then some of them can't make that transition to a bigger club in a bigger environment. Yeah, either, can they? I remember I think uh, Kabai was it who was. Oh, Johan Kabai, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've not thought him at ages. He would win the footballer game definitely. The which one? I haven't thought. Uh, there's a game I play with my friends where we uh, text each other a footballer that you haven't thought of for years, and if uh, if everyone knows who that player is. And they agree. Oh, I haven't thought about him for years. Kabai would definitely win. I've forgotten his first name. I I'm going to play that game. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, where was he? <laughs> Didn't he rock up at Newcastle? Yeah, he played for Palace. He went to Palace. Palace. <laughs> he was amazing when he broke through. He anyway, was very good when he came in. Yeah. But yeah, that that element of maybe stepping up into a bigger club is is harder than again being a a big fish in a small pond. Sorry for them. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, is that a point? Was that a question? Uh, yeah. Do you want to turn it into a question? Uh, Fulham? Fulham. Yeah, so Marco Silva, people will remember him from being at Everton when he didn't do particularly spectacularly well, is what I'm trying to say. Not spectacularly, it's not a word. Uh, but everyone has a trouble at Everton. No one really gets above a certain win percentage apart from Carlo Ancelotti. I don't even know if he's remembered particularly fondly. At he managed. Can I just say, he, he managed Everton. Yeah. I, do, I do find that really it's weird. Crazy. Yeah. The easiest game that we had in the Premier League at Leeds was against Carlo Ancelotti. Could he not Everton. be bothered? Or? It was, they were just awful, absolutely terrible. Couldn't be bothered. It says here, John has a stat on Fulham being bottom of expected goals. XG. Are they uh, running yeah. poor? I mean, this is what do I you was have alluding the stat to. I'll pull up the table. But um, according to FB Ref, when I last checked, let me see, it's probably still the same. They've just lost to Arsenal. Yeah, they are bottom of. I don't the, think they've played since. They are bottom of the expected goals against table according to FB Ref. So they've conceded the most expected goals in the course of the season with forty two point seven, which puts them just below Everton on forty two point six. So, Optus is math- their fourth worst. Okay, so same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Point holds. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not very good in terms of defensive numbers but um, I think what a lot of people have said about Fulham is that their defensive aspects is probably one of their strengths I definitely think that in terms of like they're very well drilled in terms of their their pressing um, they 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 have very good uh, it's called variable pressing so they know when to push and when to drop and uh, and when to go more aggressive and when to hold back a little bit but um, this again this is what I'm saying I was saying before like if you look at a lot of the numbers it's not particularly impressive but who cares you've got a summer to get through now you've got a time to work on the things that you think you're you, you can improve on and, and come back next season and, and iron a lot of this stuff out and then hope to be even better next season and you had like two key players of the same I mean everyone's looking for like a Paulinho level of player to come in and if they lose him obviously they need to replace that as well but then that's how you develop and keep going and going and going. And also, they could be playing European football like next season if 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 they hold on to this momentum. I have a feeling the Fulham bubble may have burst a little oh, bit and they'll drop. I, now. Tried. I think I tried. I think European football will probably not be good for them at this point as well. But what I mean, I suppose, is that it would be easier to possibly keep hold of Paulinho and maybe easier to then recruit if you can say, "Look, we're playing in the mm. Conference League." Is that how it works? Would you? Would anyone? Would a player go? Ah. 
Conference League. Probably. Yes, I'll play that. Depends who came in for him. I suspect not. But I think the, the, the interesting thing about Fulham is if you actually look across that squad, like there's a lot of players that they've got there who are playing for them in, in the championship yeah. and they've done a really good job of, of of making that step up without having to break the bank on anyone um so yeah again I'm, I'm i'm sounding like a bit of a broken record but like you take these things when they happen and you say you know we've stayed in the premier league with a minimal minimal um investment in in the squad now we've we've stayed up if if, if they finish in the top half that's a, a decent chunk of extra money for the positions that they would have expected to finish in in the beginning of the season and so you just take that you think where are the areas where we can improve our squad and I think there's lots of areas where they can improve their squad so I think it's pretty pretty rosy for Fulham fans right now I would say they, they took the championship apart last season mm. the championship level obviously not quite what it was he says um but they are a championship team that got promoted and probably won't go down. I guess mathematically, Fulham can't go down now, surely. Well, there's, there's the magic 40-point mark, right? What are they on? 39. So. Oh, so they could still go down. <laughs> if they lose every uh, single game going forward. Yeah. If the bubble really does burst. They should be fine. I think Arsenal... No, they should be fine, to be clear. They will not go down. Arsenal made them look really bad in the first half, but it's a little bit of... Silva, another thing Silva said after the game is that they did 50% of what they needed to, and I think the way they set up... like I agree with John. I think they look really well coached for them. You can see that they have been coached and they are doing things that have been told to, and the way they were blocking Arsenal made absolute sense. The, the biggest part they got wrong was in the application of just simply stopping other people going past you and stopping them from playing. And the second half, they're a bit more aggressive. Uh, they, were, you know, they were a lot better, but Still short of where and you'd expect them to be. 3-0 down. I've got the um, 21st, club, uh, 21st group Premier League predictions and they say Fulham less than 1% chance they're getting relegated. Excellent news. So you're saying there's still a chance. Uh, I mean, we, we get into the start of the season, obviously the three promoter teams are going to get relegated. I am absolutely scarred by all of this, obviously, as you know. <laughs> um, it won't be the case this year. Probably, although there is still a chance as we have ascertained. Uh, but, you know, it does... <laughs> Fulham, Bournemouth still in trouble, and then we've got other teams that maybe shouldn't be in relegation trouble. Who are? Should we, John? Do you want to talk about Leeds first? I don't know. Who? What? I mean, I think Leeds Leeds had escaped relegation on the last day last season, so I wouldn't really put them in that group. I I, I think the the interesting teams in terms of the relegation battle are particularly Leicester and West Ham, maybe Wolves when you consider the the strength of the Wolves squad. Even though in the last couple of seasons they've probably been heading that way as well, they were more because um, they were um, poor at the start of the season because they've been decent under Lopetegui yeah. now. So the, I'd imagine the only reason they're that far down is because he didn't get a longer run at it, right? They were bottom when he when he took over I and almost so, yeah. cut adrift, I think. Roughly, yeah, yeah. They've they've clearly changed changed around with, with under him. Um, and I think there's been a few teams right where I mean Villa were in the same boat for a little while. They they looked like they were bombing out of the Premier League and then they did a manager change and, and things sorted out. Everton, I suppose, in the same sort of boat. They've had um, pretty good performances under under Sean Dyche. Um, but yeah, Leicester and West Ham, I think, particularly st- stand out as two teams who have impressive squads for the relative to the level. But when you watch them play, just 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 seem to be the most meh teams that that you you can see it's almost like they're mid-tabling the relegation battle they just you know they're sort of like bumbling along happy with what they're doing and you're like but you you're you're a couple of points off the the relegation zone if not in it and um, Leicester's really difficult I can't work out whether Rodgers is doing a good job or not I can't figure it out because we know what he can do in the past and where he's been but he inherited a team 
that was really on the up. Like, so the teams he was linked to, Leicester had a great team. Looking at so Ndidi was phenomenal at the time. Uh, who played in midfield? It was Ndidi, Tielemans and, and Madison. That was the midfield three he had at the time. And then up front, Vardy, when he was still playing all the time and still very, very good. Basically, what's happened now is through lack of investment in players, because they didn't buy anyone for quite a long time, so they've ended up with a team where you've got, well, Ayunacho's well, was starting up front a lot of the time and misses chances. He's a good player, though, I think. But the midfield, like, and Didi is nowhere near as good as he was. Tielemann seems to have, maybe not regressed, but just isn't playing well. Maybe that's a function of the team not doing very well as a whole. I think he's a team that makes, he's good in a good team, but he maybe doesn't look very good in a bad team, <laughs> which maybe all players are. But uh, So they're missing that. Then the defence, I think, uh, well, they brought in Harry Suter and Vout Fez. Fez is a half-decent player. Yep. Yeah, he got sent off at the weekend, didn't he? But yeah, I didn't realize he's got, that. He's got, that, he's got that. He's got that. He's got a bit of the uh, the old red cards in him. <laughs> like the good, like Johnny <laughs> Evans was so important John. back in like, like Evans and Vardy, hugely important to them. Evans is getting older, as all humans do. Uh, <laughs> that does it does happen. Yeah, Harvey Barnes is getting older I didn't older see too. it coming. He's a um, lovely player, though, Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes, I think he's a fine player. I think. Oh, you. No, I think Harvey Barnes. You two should fight. Fine. In yeah. your matching sweaters. I know. I've oh yeah, up, you did. Yeah. I dressed up as Michael. Oh, I'm sure we'll reference this in the intro. I'm so, I was podcast. just thinking. I've just reacted to that as if it's happened for the first time, which it has happened for the first time. But we haven't recorded the intro yet, so I've got to now pretend that. that Don't was tell them a how we make it. Joke. Don't tell them what's in this. What's the what's the idiom? How the soup's made. How we bend time. How the sausage is made. made what, I've you never put in the stew. How sausages. Oh, sausages. That's it. Yeah. You got soup on the brain. Soup brain. Soup brain. My brain. My brain is full of soup. Last, on Monday morning. Last week, you actually recorded the podcast backwards. I yeah. heard, like, literally. From it was the, tough. Learning, yeah, we had to get to, we had to turning talk. English, learning English, like all of the words yeah. backwards. Makes sense. But at least you found your cafetiere. Yeah. Can you tell I've had loads of coffee? <laughs> I still haven't had any. What was I the, talking about? We're talking about yeah. Leicester, but there's like a, there's like a huge. We're, we're still trying to find the guy who did that energy about Leicester, right? Because, <laughs> with with Brendan Rodgers, because he sort of complains a lot about the squad. He's wearing the hot dog suit. Yeah, he's the one. He's the guy in the hot dog suit. Um, but like a lot, we, we can complain about the state of the squad, but like he has some sort of responsibility. And I think I think there's obviously a lot of different factors at play with Leicester. Not least the fact that their owner suffered quite a bit financially. I think because of the of the pandemic. But at the same time, like he had every chance of building a decent squad that could have weathered that storm. And it feels as though every season they bring in players who then don't really break through uh, and, and haven't been ha- haven't made that jump pop. So. But then what should they expect of Leicester? Because they were, obviously they won the league, then they had some Champions League money and Leicester don't have the same like financial incomings. They don't have all the marketing and everything that other big clubs do. So naturally they would probably have to regress towards being a sort of mid-table team, which is what they basically done. Because when you look at where they are in the league, I mean, you go down from 12th to, to 20th, there are five points <laughs> separating all those teams. They're all basically equally shit and equally fine. That they, they, they could win one game one week and then lose the next. It's the randomness of that sort of part of that league. It is horrible being Southampton because you, you just know those teams are going to do you know something at some point will crystal palace do something at some point because they, they, they they're they like the meme aren't they where you, people are prodding crystal palace going <laughs> do something because they're not doing anything and i would imagine their position in the table is sort of mm. my friends have this joke that palace never win and they're always 12th they just yeah. never ever win in the premier league must but be so in the same dull position. being a palace fan very but, few goals when they play at the moment they've got some lovely players lovely players 
my favourite word of the day. Lovely. Well, who, who do you like of the Palace squad? Well, did we have this conversation last time I was on the pod? Or I can't remember. Now. We had it before uh, the Ezra. podcast started. Yeah. But you weren't, My- Michael Elise. You, you weren't in the, the room when we had that conversation. Oh, okay. Mm. We had a long conversation about the players that we liked. Ah. But yeah, Michael Elise was on the list. So well done. Next. <laughs> Come on. He's just your mind has gone completely blank now of all Patrick Vieira is the head coach, isn't he? He doesn't play anymore, yeah. Mark Gay. Nice exciting centre back. Yes, indeed. Czech Decore. Well spoken of. Terry Mitchell's meant to be quite highly rated. Yeah. Yeah. Wilfred Zaha. Wilfred Zaha. He's 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 older than he's older than Mitrovic. Iberieze. Yeah, I said him. Yeah. I forgot his first name, but I did that with Kabai as well. Odson Edward. I like him. No one cares though. Um, so yeah, that's so that's a relegation battle. So yeah, well, did we? So Palace will be fine. That's what we. Well, I'm not sure it? Palace will be fine. I think oh, okay. so. Very little action goes on. I think we'll say listening to Palace fans, reading what people said in the Slack, <laughs> is that uh, there's very little <laughs> movement in the midfield. Oh. Palace. People just stand still, and uh, I can't remember. I, I looked into Vieira's last team he managed. Who was it? Nice, Nice, right? And I seem to remember them not being that bad. They were quite good. To they were watch. good at the start, and then they tailed off. Which, right. you know, is history repeating. Well, there we go. Let's um, just say that. Uh, Palace's squad is fine, but there's just lots of good teams in that bottom eight, basically. They're, you see Everton have some good players. You see Leicester have some good players. But, like, Harvey Barnes is a good example. On his day, Harvey Barnes is a really good player, but he wouldn't, you wouldn't put him in the Man United team. You wouldn't put him in the Liverpool team, I don't think. I don't think they'd you get in. You steal a car. <laughs> if I could download Harvey Barnes, would I? <laughs> What would I do with him? <laughs> he's fine. I think he's a lovely player. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to keep us on Crystal Palace a bit. <laughs> XL. Expected so, lovely. Yes. I think Palace are... Um, I mean, they're three points off. And, and this is the thing, right? Is I that, think they'll be in trouble. This is maybe a really banal thing to say, but whoever, whoever goes down this season yes. is going to be whoever is in the bottom three You're, at the end bl- of the season. I think we need which, to stop talking no, no, be, about be, this now. My point, my point being that, yes. like... It, it, anything could happen, right? It's true, John. It's, any of these teams could go down, and over a ninety it's minutes, almost impossible to say. But then there's another. Who wants it more? I think also like manage. Like we definitely clearly, did that last time. Clearly, all of these that. teams have enough good players to get out of the the, the relegation battle, including Leeds. What you need to do. Throwing leads at me like that. Well, they're in the relegation. They are definitely. Or are they not? Definitely are relegated. I mean, they are nineteenth right now, so they're definitely in a relegation battle. Whatever Jesse Marsh might like to tell you, but um, I think what we've seen is that if you a lot of these teams have enough players that if you change the manager, bring in a solid. Uh, structure for your for your good players, and then rely on those good players to have moments. You can climb out of the out of the morass. So we've already talked about Aston Everton. Villa in that situation. Everton, Everton seem to be doing it. Wolves have done it under Lopetegui pretty much, even though they're still there and thereabouts. Um, West Ham not doing it. West Ham not doing it, and Leicester City not doing it. And that's that's what makes them so confusing because it feels like they both have managers who people in the past have said these are good managers. They have squads that they probably have enough to be able to get out. Of this and they're not doing it. and that's the big the and the conundrum. weird thing is that all those managers right elite level managers they're all well premier league level all these managers right so you say that it's the, the elite they'll all be setting up the team the way exactly they should be they'll all have analysts they're reading the reports they're getting the things set up they're working out strengths and weaknesses of both them and their opponents all the preparation is done the training is done they've got their squads and then they'll do all the preparation that a manager should have some have more charisma than others some will know how to motivate certain players but there'll be other things going on in the sidelines and then uh, someone scores a, a, yeah. a like a 
a rocket from 40 yards and then and then Leeds win 1-0 and then suddenly Gracie is a brilliant manager because he's kept them up because some lad had a punt from 40 yards like football's weird well, Villa, and you judge people's entire careers based on things they have no control over Villa stayed up because no one turned on the Hawkeye during Project Restart and then what would that have all looked like who knows Leeds stayed up last season because Brentford had their, had their Christmas party a couple of days before the last uh, game of the season well, well organised yeah. uh, I want to say that Bournemouth will get relegated sorry sorry Bournemouth people you want um, to say it Why no, as, in I fe- say as in I feel it will happen not no, because I have a desperation for it to happen <laughs> you like it's just you know the nuance of the, of the this podcast is like a caffeinated nightmare <laughs> but um, I, d- I don't know if they will because AFC Bournemouth won nil Liverpool which oh, yes. off the back of the 9-0 defeat at Anfield for Bournemouth and the 7-0 thrashing of Manchester United for Liverpool everyone knows all this but it's still fun to say Bournemouth beat them so this means that, that Bournemouth are better than Manchester United, right? That's how it works. That's the logic. I, I, That's exactly it. In the same way, there's that World Cup competition with the team who beats uh, the yeah. last who's one. A, the... Who's top of that? Do you know? I don't know. It's probably like, uh, I don't know. We, <laughs> should football work like that? Like, just forget the league. Winner stays on. Just yeah, just keep going. See it's not a bad idea. Like Royal, Royal Rumble for the World Cup. Yeah. So you start off with like the the World Cup winner, and then you work your way up through the rankings. So be, you have to play. I don't know, Fiji, and then you have to knock Fiji? them out, and then Fiji. you just well, when it stays on, it's basically what the Cup Winners' Cup was, and why we should bring it back because yes. you have to win the cup to get into it. So then the winner stays on. Then they have all knockouts. There's no league tables, and then the winner stays on. That's why they should have it. It's a brilliant idea. You could do it for like a tw- you know, it's next Premier League anniversary. Scrap the fixture. Well, there's all chats now about the European European football changing because they want to try and develop it. All people in charge of UEFA and whatever else is going on, and maybe appeal to different markets, bring in new revenue streams from places. And the argument being that places like Arsenal, for example, not all the fans live in Islington. They often live around the entire world. So why would they be any less of a fan than someone who lives geographically closer to where the club is? It's more of a globalized entity now. So if you bring the competition elsewhere, uh, then maybe that's the thing you do. So, Cup Winners' Cup. I've got a a solution to the problem of the two domestic cups, right? So we don't need the FA Cup and the League Cup. So get rid of the League Cup. (laughs) But we we keep it in the sense that whoever wins the League Cup then is put into a ballot against one of the other Premier League sides. And then you do winner stays on until you've played all of the other Premier League sides. And then you start again the next season with the person who won the cup. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? I don't get it. You're just playing much fewer games. So Arsenal win the, the League Cup last season, head, right? Head right. This season, you have a ballot of 19 teams who can face Arsenal. And you pull out a name and it's Southampton. And Southampton lose to Arsenal, so they're out. And then you have a ballot of 18 teams. And then you pull it out and it's Newcastle. And they beat Arsenal and now Newcastle are in. But and no so one ever wins 17 it teams. outright. Yeah, they, they? The, the team at the end. But Arsenal could win like 19 games. Well, and then games. lose And then the lose last, the last game. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny. Winner stays on. But like it's much fewer games than the League Cup requires currently. Well, so then all the Premier League teams will vote for it. Yeah. That's how it works. I feel like this is another part of your mandate, JJ, to... Play down, play fewer football. <laughs> Let's just. Oh no! Well, I was talking about a bit in the athletic about um, talking about the European football thing. There was never a point I was making, but as uh, as evidenced by what's going on in this podcast so far, I just forgot what I was talking about halfway through and started going off another tangent about other things. Let's uh, let's keep let's keep on the Bournemouth theme. Oh yes, Bournemouth. Yes. <laughs> uh, are they actually? Uh, yeah, I I don't want them to go down. I love Bournemouth. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. It's a lovely hotel near the ground. I went to once. Mm-hmm. 
But near the beach. It was near the beach. It was a lovely walk. Just one hotel? Yeah, I can't remember it. Well, it was. Marriott? I should stop just listening. <laughs> Marriott? Hotel. How, yes. premier. I wasn't, How long I wasn't do you know staying. it? <laughs> uh, I was just visiting. Uh... What was I saying? Gary O'Neill yeah. is doing a, yeah. a, a quietly decent job I, at Bournemouth. I, I don't want them to go down, but I, I, I felt like they always were going to go down, and now I'm not so sure. Well, they, they came up with Scott JJ. Parker, right? So, so he took them up. Things haven't gone well for Scott Parker since. He's, well, he's fired last week, wasn't he, from uh, yeah. uh, that team Club Bruges. that he managed. Club Bruges. 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 Thank you. Bruges. Yeah. Not Bruges? Bruges. Well, yeah, Bruges. it depends, how, depends if you're speaking Flemishly or not. Which is which? Bruges is French. Uh-huh. And Brugge, Brugge is Flemish. Flemish yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. And I thought Bournemouth, Bournemouth were decent against Liverpool in this game. Liverpool were particularly poor. They played with that same lack of intensity that they, they seemed to randomly. Uh, they were, Every other week. Obviously, they were very good against Manchester United, but that was helped by things like... John did a video on Tifo IRL, which is, I think, the best way of understanding what on earth happened with that game and the man-marking system that just got torn apart and then players not tracking their runs and it all falls apart very easily. But uh, Bournemouth here just managed to get at Liverpool. Again, they had less possession. They keep doing well against bigger teams. They played against Arsenal the week before. Same thing, hardly any possession of the ball because they, they know where they can block, where the most likely places they're going to concede from are. They know the, their limitations. That's one of the things I think O'Neill's got right. He knows his team isn't that strong. So he works out a way to win based on the strength they do have, which is often pace on the counter-attack. And you see that Liverpool's back four who have been all over the place this season. There's this thing they keep doing this season where... The back four becomes a back three, but it's not a traditional back three where you have a fullback joining two centre-backs. It's one centre-back in the middle of two fullbacks who are wide because the centre-back is pushed into midfield to try and help win the ball. If it's launched in the air towards that part of the pitch, they play a high line. Like Canati, for one of the goals, I think Canati pushes up into midfield to try and win the header. Then Van Dijk pushes up. So your back four is actually a back two, but the back two are two fullbacks wide. There's a massive hole through the middle and then players can run through it in the middle. And you saw they had a few counter-attacks very early on in the game where Bournemouth were getting through the middle of the, the pitch, middle of Liverpool's defence. It should never happen. It can happen once, actually, and then it shouldn't happen again, but it kept happening. And the odd thing about it as well for me is that Jurgen Klopp, you'd think a lot of the time he'd just be like raging and screaming at his players and, and howling at them, but he just looked like he was kind of having a nice old time and laughing. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. I guess it's how he's trying to motivate the players differently, like shouting at them doesn't work every single like week. not bothering <laughs> Well, I don't know. It's it's either that he's just trying to man-manage, right? So if you scream at people, they'll respond for a certain amount of time. He'll have praised them after the 7-0 last week. So you can't suddenly go like, you're useless having just beaten Man United 7-0. It doesn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense coherently over the course of a season to do that to your players. So I wonder if that's part of his thinking and then going, you know, being a bit more gentle. But yeah, then like he, he hooked Alexander-Arnold for a certain time, put James Milner on uh, again, and then... <sighs> I mean, I haven't I haven't seen his post-match stuff, Klopp, but I'd imagine he just goes, it's just one of those like that. But Gary Neal, to be able to get results like that, they were close to beating Arsenal and this fell apart in the final bit of the, the, the game. They did get done by City, but everyone gets done by City. Um, and then to beat Liverpool, that's really impressive. The point is, they're still in with a chance of survival. And I think that's oh, really absolutely, impressive. Yeah. Like they beat so. uh, Wolves a few weeks ago. Yeah. It was tight against Brighton. Got a draw with Nottingham Forest. Like they're not... That's the thing, like Bournemouth have limitations and I think the manager knows it and they play off their strengths instead, which is obviously what you should do as a manager. It makes them, that's what a good manager should do. If they go down, it's not because Gary O'Neill hasn't done a good job for them. I think, I think it's interesting that they've had two games against, you know, top six sides. I, mean, I, I don't know how we're defining Liverpool as top six, but like big six, big six, big six sides. And they've played this really um, uh, consistent and patient low block into 
counterattack. And they've generated some really good chances. So I, I pointed out, I think at half time in this game. So Bournemouth had just played Arsenal for a full game and then half of a game against Liverpool and they'd had six shots and they generated something like 2.1 expected goals, which means that on average they're, they're generating like 0.35 uh, XG per chance, um, which is just, it's nuts. Like, so they're not generating a huge amount of chances, but they are generating good chances when they're doing that. The the big question is going to be, and this is almost like the, the issue that we had with Leeds at the beginning of the season, is that we were coming out of these kind of games having caused problems to the big six sides. And, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. When you come up against the teams who you need to be beating consistently, that approach doesn't really work because uh, teams further down the table have a different play styles and they have ways of solving these sorts of problems. And... Um, you know, to Arsenal and both Arsenal and Liverpool are going to commit quite aggressively in terms of their attacking play. They're going to force as many players forwards as possible and they're going to try and structure their rest defence so that they're not going to have problems from that. Now, Bournemouth have, have been very good at, at manipulating that when they played these two teams. But when they play against Everton in a few weeks' time, I don't, I don't know if they're playing against Everton just before the comments go mad and I'm biased against Everton or Bournemouth or someone. Next um, team stays on. <laughs> yeah, next team stays on. But when they do that, Everton aren't going to commit all of their players forwards in those situations, they're going to be much more conservative. And so they're not going to be able to have this upside. So the, the interesting thing for me about Bournemouth is going to be how do they take these sorts of great results and performances against teams like Arsenal and Liverpool and match up against the Nottingham Forests and the, and the West Hams when they have to get points from those kind of games. Someone's going to have to go down. Three teams, in fact, are going to have to go down. Steve, producer Steve, has sent some notes about caffeinated drinks which i actually find quite rude so i'm not gonna read it out but he does say um for the for the music video the scientist uh, coldplay's chris martin learned the lyrics backwards so he could record the video which was then of course played forwards yeah in reverse so it you get it yep was chris martin uh, the uh, the uh, bristol Nor city norwich, norwich striker yeah. yes my yeah. brother-in-law as well they're not all the same person it's just a really Your common brother-in-law name. brother-in-law is Chris Martin. Yeah. From but not the Chris Martin. Not the Chris Martin. Or the Chris or Martin. Or the Chris Martin. Okay, right. Amazing, hey? Just mm. like how we how some people have the same name. Yeah. But they're not actually Incredibly the same generic person. names and there's more than one of them, yeah. I bet, uh, I bet they share similarities. I bet there's something to do with like nominative determinism and the way that you act based on what your name is. Like if I'm called JJ, right? I didn't choose that. I got given that when I was born. But if I'd been called Joe the whole time, I'd be a different person, I bet. Would you, though? I bet so. If um, I've got a slight issue is that if you, I'm not suggesting anyone does, um, search the name Michael Bailey. There's a very famous uh, American someone or other. I don't know what they do, but just don't Google it. But, you know, they have the same name as me. I'm supposed to differentiate. You know, I put like Norwich as my middle name or something. <laughs> do you know, um, you come up first on my Google. When I, was, JJ. when I was That's growing up, good. I was known to my friends and family as JJ also. And then no, it, and then it, dis- no way. it disappeared around the age of about seven or eight. What? But there's no reason for that because, like, you, 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 you're called JJ because you have two names that begin with J, right? Yeah. Whereas I, I'm, my name is John, and that's it. And my middle name does not begin with J. So Absolute John. scenes. John, John. Weird. Well, I think that is definitely time for us all to think about our names, and to do that, we should probably facilitate you with a break. Hello there, I'm Ali Maxwell. I'm the host of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast with Michael Cox, Liam Tharm and Mark Kerry. 
each week we try and better understand and explain where possible the game that we love and we look at things through a, a tactical and analytical lens. We love a deep dive, we love to myth bust and just generally try and tackle football discussion in a depth and in a way that I don't think you find on many other pods. In recent weeks, we have released a two-part series looking at the state of football management. We've also looked at understanding Red Bull football and how well it travels outside of the Red Bull empire. Join us over on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast feed. Just search for the name of the pod wherever you listen to yours. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There we go. That was a break. Um... Hope we all thought about our names there. Yeah, I'm going to call you Mike. <laughs> I don't care. That's fine. Do, do any do, do people call you Mike? Yeah, well, it's, it's some, well, JJ calls me Mike. Uh, some, pe- <laughs> it's, uh, some people just sort of put, impose on you their their view, like, right, Mickey? So Probably. people think that they, they know you well enough to then just be able to shorten well, your name. That so happens like, with anyone, well. doesn't it? Some, some, that, that's more about the person saying it, isn't it? People all... shorten my name from Joseph to yeah. Joe often, yeah. 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 In, in, in an official capacity, when I'd be like called Joseph, like in a karate class or something like that. Oh, is that an official capacity? <laughs> official capacity. Uh, yeah. In what scenario are they saying? Is that with instructional? <laughs> the official capacity. What? Um, this is official karate class, isn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. Look, we do we do a dangerous job. We have to have protection. So exactly, that's why I did it. This is, I a, knew this is official. I knew the life of a podcaster was tough. <laughs> so I trained. This is official security training. And they were Comments. Like, Do we have a Joseph here? And he's like, okay, if I call you Joe, that's what happened, right? I think I was like blue belt or something like that. Is that good? <laughs> sure. Don't know. My sister was better, right? They kept moving her up two classes at a time. It was annoying. Right. Jaden Sancho's number 10. Thanks, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> As a number 10, he plays as a number 10. This was, of course, Manchester United, nil, nil, Southampton. I, I didn't see any of this. So uh, Jaden Sancho, I keep saying Sancho, and I don't know why, because that's not his name. Maybe he'd have been a different footballer if he'd been called been Sancho. A, I didn't want to say better, because that would be rude. A design agency, Sancho. Oh, Sachi, Sachi. Uh, as a number 10, I mean, it's just a slight nuance on a position in the forward Ranks. Isn't Do any it, positions JJ? matter now? Does it? It's just, is it not about the fluidity rather than which position you're given? And yeah, well, there's a thing Ten Hag's been doing with his players recently. He's playing some of his key players in positions you would not expect them to be in. Is that good? <laughs> well, it has. It's interesting to me because uh, a lot of people will look at a footballer and think that's how they're going to play because that's what they look like. Vout Veghorst is a big, tall lad, therefore he is a target man striker, number nine. But he's actually he... quite good with his feet, uh, like you and Roberts. Yes. And 
So Veghorst has been playing behind a forward, Rashford, because it gives you certain advantages. Rashford can play in behind a high line, which is easier, whereas Veghorst cannot. But Veghorst can take a ball down on the chest that's very high up in the air and then give you a, a way to get out from the back easier, especially if the guy kicking the ball from the back is David De Gea, who you should not put under any sort of duress in a passing situation. So then that makes you, it gets an advantage out of De Gea. It means Veghorst is serving a very functional, useful point. It means when you get into the final third, you've got Rashford. You can play, obviously, in the penalty area to get poachers' goals, but also you can play in behind a high line. But also Veghorst is there to give some muscle uh, to any crosses put in from wide. Set pieces as well, very useful. Then you've got Jaden Sancho, who's currently playing, well, he started this game against Southampton, as playing as one of almost two tens. Because Bruno Fernandes, we know, is always like a ten. But he's been playing left wing and right wing in recent games. So look at Sancho, right? So you think, because of what he's done in the past, he is a winger or a wide forward. That's what you think of him. Borussia Dortmund, I think he was mostly on the right wing in Borussia Dortmund. He, he played on the left as well. Yeah, he played on both sides. And he played more on the left. But there was a discussion over which side he was more effective of. Rather yeah, than and it's, I think um, it was... We worked out with stats that he tends to be more successful off of the left, which makes sense because he's a right footer, so he's an inverted winger or an inside forward that comes in off that wing. Obviously, Rashford wants to play that wing, so he put him on the right. Then he brought Anthony in, so where does he go? And if you think about how Jadon Sancho plays, very neat and tidy, very clever player, good in tight spaces. Uh, the kind of player that uh, is useful in that situation is it's like a player like David Silva. You put him in the little pockets and the holes behind, well, between enemy lines and uh, high up the pitch, and Sancho can do those sorts of things. He's quick, but he's not so fast he can run past fullbacks, especially in the Premier League. So you put him out wide, mostly he has to go back and it starts horseshoeing around. So you take him out of that situation, put him in as number 10, he can drift in and around, then you get a positional rotation with him and Anthony, that was happening a lot. You get him with Bruno Fernandes, you can even swap around with Rashford, so you get lots of fluidity in the final third, which is good because it gives you unpredictability, very important, especially when you're building in similar sorts of ways most of the time. And so then you just get more out of a player like that and you're not wasting a player just being a sub who comes on, then can't get the form and you've got £75 million of talent sitting on the bench doing nothing. I think a lot of people thought that Sancho was going to be a good dribbler because he played out wide for, for Dorman. But as JJ says, he's, his skills, his skill set is best appreciated when you can get players around him. And part of the problem with Manchester United early on in his, his time there was that over on the left, they were, they just weren't able to get enough players around him to make him to make him functional to play those sort of creative passes, which can get players in behind. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Marcus Rashford plays that left berth really nicely as well. Gives you the angle to run in behind if you want if you're playing Vagos as a as a as a nine. And so I think a lot of this just comes down to the fact that as as you're saying, Ten Hag is thinking about ways to get more out of. Sancho's skill set in his system which is what he's been doing with all of these players right when he when he drops about Vagos deeper I think there's there's an element as well to which it comes down to his out of possession stuff as well we've got I've got a quote from Ten Hag from the weekend on starting Sancho and he said I think at number 10 we need a strong press you need quick feet in in the midfield you need a player there who can create who can run in behind which Jaden can do I think it's really interesting that quote because he starts off by talking about the pressing of, of his number 10 that's the first thing he says you need a strong presser uh, and we've seen that happening in in games where Manchester United are maybe at parity or maybe slightly worse than the team that they're playing we've seen him play Vakost as a as a 10 and I think because Vakost is pretty good out of possession and so for example against Liverpool we saw Casemiro Fred and Vakost in that midfield they were doing a really tight marking on the Liverpool mid, midfield three 
So there's certain games where Ten Hag is going to want a, a player who is going to be good in terms of the out-of-possession stuff. And I think in this game, like it's a game against Southampton, right? So you start with, was it was it Bruno and, and Sancho as like the, those two higher players? Yeah, there? I think it was like it was like a 4-1, 4-1 yeah. with the, 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 the almost two sections, defence and attack, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And that makes, I mean, again, that makes sense. But this is, this is what Ten Hag is doing. In, in each game, he's thinking, right, what do I want? from each of my players in, in each position who's who suits those roles best and and the ability to have the fluidity to be able to for example in some games start Bruno Fernandes as a, an out and out 10 have him finding that pocket of space where he can do his creative passing and then in other games where he's like I feel as though we're going to get overrun in the midfield you can move Bruno across wide you can put Rashford up front for runs in behind and then you can drop Vekos to be a little bit more solid in the central area as well so I think all of this sort of comes down to the fact that, that Ten Hag has a very clear idea about how he wants his teams to set up against various oppositions and he has a very clear idea about the roles that each one of his players can play and how he's going to get the best out of them in each of those systems. So. The running behind bit's interesting as well because I think I think he likes a lot of these counter movements, like vertical counter movements, where the striker will drop and then the two will run in behind. Mm. And Fernandez tends not to do that, right? He tends to sit in the just behind them and yeah. shoot from twenty five yards rather than get into the box to finish off a move. So then you want to have players running in behind to be able to finish off that if the striker drops and you get those different. Use, uh, uses of space. Yeah, we had a, uh, an illustrated video out last week on Marcus Rashford where we talked about how Eric Ten Hag is trying to generate these artificial transitional moments because usually when you trans generate transitions, you have to do it through a turnover of possession. So you'll sit deep, you'll absorb pressure and then try and win the ball back and then attack, counter-attack at speed. And the reason you want to do that is because we just talked about Bournemouth, right? The opposition... The structure is compromised. There's a lot of space to attack and you, you're going to be more likely to score from those sorts of situations. But what Ten Hag is wanting to do is he's wanting to generate those same kind of conditions where the opposition is open, but without having to give them possession of the ball and turn it over. So what they're, a lot of what they're doing structurally is trying to fashion those moments with the ball so that they can get basically Marcus Rashford in on the, in, in, in behind because he's not only really good at making those runs, but his shooting is incredible. Like he's one of the best players for getting the ball away quickly in those sorts of scenarios as well. So, Which all sounds wonderful. Uh, none of it worked on Saturday, <laughs> presumably. Uh, or was it all Casemiro's fault? That unreliable midfielder who's now been sent off twice. In... I thought United were better with 10 men. Not exactly. I, there you go. I, I look at him. You know, <laughs> I think he's pretty clear. Unbelievable. But, uh, Never rated him. I mean, I'm I think joking. It, I think joking. it's a clear red card. But uh, I thought Southampton were very good in this this game. They're a lot better than I remember seeing them earlier in the season. I've not watched enough of them week in week out to possibly to really go into it. But they just look better in this game. Than I've seen them when I have seen them play over the season. Uh, they had a bit of creativity. They had lots of like speed in different places. You want it, and they looked. They just looked well drilled, which is important. And then United something was kind of off not quite there they were better with 10 they maybe just had more energy about them I think at 10 men the wide players especially realised they had to do loads more defensive work and so they played as more of a unit I think that's probably what it was well this is the problem right if you just get done 7-0 and you come out the next game and you're not doing all that hard work from the very start anyway that's a bit of a a one for ten. Ten, I might have seen that and not like that is it because they won a major trophy maybe that was maybe it's all unravelled since then yes excellent good uh, we did that. Uh, Steve wants me to clarify that uh, I mentioned Ewan Roberts. He is the former Wales and Norwich City legend from the late 90s. I don't know why I need to clarify that, but apparently I do need to clarify that. Uh, shall we move on to the Europa League and the Champions League? Because yes. they're taking place this week. This is like a preview section. Yeah, Is it? That's exciting. Uh, so any who wants to speak about which game first? Anyone want to? Uh, Napoli are great. 
We haven't really talked about who we think are the favourites now. Napoli are great. Do you think Napoli can win it? Yes, because they're still in it. That's generally a good good starting point. I love them, but they haven't been in this situation before. And as we know, look at you looking at me as if I need to answer a question. Ah, um, (laughs) uh, you know, if you've not won the Champions League for a long time, do you then have the mental capacity to deal with that situation and win it? Because that's why Manchester City still haven't won it because they've not won it. Oh, I understand. Like the Andy Murray tennis thing. Yes. Like once Andy Murray breaks through that you hurdle. Can, uh, you've got to break through the hurdle of winning it to be able barrier. to win it. This is a real... Have like, Napoli won it. It's like a real yet. sporting theory though, isn't it? Is yes. that you have to break Thanks. through that thing to be able to then break it for so long that no one was able to get... Uh, well, win Wimbledon and then Andy did it. But they're the best team in Europe right now, aren't they? Napoli? Yeah. Yeah. One of them. If if they were all playing off, you know, winner stays on, <laughs> Napoli would still be on. They lost the other week. Oh, they'd be whatever. Off. Who did they lose to? Everyone remember. loses Lazio. sometimes. Lazio. 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 So Lazio, Lazio are the best team in Europe now, right? Yes. Yes. Unless they lost recently. Probably. <laughs> Benfica are very good. They're good. Mm, they're Who have good. they got? Uh, oh, they're not still they're in the through to the next league. round. Oh, yes. This is only half the draw left over. Yeah, who is through? I'm well on top of this. Sorry? Who, who is through? Benfica. Benfica are through. Bayern. Bayern Munich are through. They knocked out PSG. Yeah. And there was another Milan game. Beat Spurs. And Chelsea knocked out yeah, so Dortmund. Yeah. So that's half your draw. And then we've got Real Madrid against Liverpool. Cool. That's a, that's a five finally, two, five two finally so poised far. second leg. All right. Yeah, and odd. I, I don't know what Liverpool will turn up for this one. They're playing, they, they seem yeah, to do knows? very well against big teams this season, but not against uh, Bournemouth. So can you see them going to four nil the Bernabeu and winning four nil? Well, they'll they'll miss that uh, the stand sucking the ball in yeah. that Anfield does to them. So that would be a thing. But who could they, knows? Could they? No. Um, <laughs> Porto against Inter. Who knows what the first leg of that was? It was one nil according to the sheet that you're looking at. You have to have very good Am eyes. Am I looking at the... Oh, I can't read that. That's tiny. All I can see is 20 hundred, which is the kickoff time. <laughs> Presumably it wasn't 20 nil. In the first <laughs> it wasn't 20 nil. Uh, nil one to Inter. I can now see that. Just. Can you see uh, Man City Leipzig? Yeah, score? I knew that was 1-1, one, one, you mm. see, because of my in-depth football knowledge. <laughs> and also Manchester City obviously have had a lot of work to get to the point where they can win. They haven't won it, but they probably now can win it. So I think they'll they'll progress. Mm. That's my logic. I don't... Have we done that bit? Is there anything else anyone <laughs> no, wants to say? Like, on I think we should all do predictions. Who's going to win the what, whole thing? Each? The whole thing. Yeah. What? Who's going to win the Champions League, Michael? Um, you can't say Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, I want Napoli to win it, and I and you, you I don't wonder want if Bournemouth to win it. Do you? Maybe. I don't. Want, I don't. <laughs> I would like Bournemouth not to win it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, different parts say of Napoli. my body. Come on, say Napoli. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, my heart says Napoli are going to win it. My head says Real Madrid are going to win it. Okay. And for some reason, the logic says Manchester City. It's their turn. Okay. Let's do. All, let's all. So do that's that three. three of them. Yeah, let's all do that. That three. I quite like it. Who so does your what, head what, say? Uh, my head. Uh, no, no, well, that wasn't one of the things. It was. was it? Yeah, it was heart. heart, head, and football logic. Football logic would dictate that either Chelsea or Liverpool would win it because they're having Chelsea. nightmare domestic seasons. <laughs> yeah. So that just seems like a yeah. thing that would happen. That's great, great shout. Uh, Real Madrid probably will <laughs> because they just do it, and Man City also should. 
Yeah, but what about your heart, JJ? What does your heart say? Mm, I do like the Napoli team. I do like them. Thanks. I don't know. I don't have a heart in any of these teams. Yeah. So I don't really care. John? Yeah, I mean, like like you both said. Brilliant. Real Madrid always win. But Real, Real Madrid have a funny way of like shithousing their way through it. And maybe they maybe they don't in one of the legs. Maybe they just maybe don't. this is the year. I'm going to have everyone mad at me because they're going to say, well, you know, Real Madrid play a functional style of football, which works for knockout tournaments. So I would just like to caveat um, by saying that. But I do feel as though um, they, they are at a bit of a low ebb at the moment. So maybe it won't happen. Napoli would be lovely to see. I've just scrolled through the strip. The, the strip? <laughs> That's the script. not on my laptop. I've scrolled <laughs> through the script and it's got the confirmed and to be confirmed ties, which is obviously really useful about five minutes ago. Uh, but to be clear, uh, Manchester City play Leipzig, Inter, Porto, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Frankfurt, Napoli. But you've got to reverse those, I think, because the second team is at home. And I think, yeah, Bayern, Bayern and City. This isn't working. Is they're, they're, they're also good teams. All over the place. Is a yeah, it's, we're all over the place. Well, I tell you what, let's do better with the Europa League. Oh, there's even more ties. I, I, I mean, uh. okay. So it, last sixteen, everyone's. I think we played the first up, leg. I think you just pick it's out so the, the favourites. So small, here. I can't read it. Yeah, Manchester United are still in it. They, yes, they battered Betis. They so knocked out gonna, Barcelona. They're going to go through, right? Arsenal drawing two two with Sporting, which is exciting because that there's all to play for. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would think that Arsenal, not Sporting Lisbon. Arsenal, learned that last time. Yeah, not, Sporting CP. That's right. For Portugal, Club Portugal. Um, obviously, Freiburg are going to decimate Ju- Juventus when Juventus come back for the uh, the home yes, leg. Yes, on home turf. Europa Park Stadion. Um, and then beyond that, um, Leverkusen have been quite fun. They could they could do it. They're at Ferenc Varosh and 2-0 up. So they look good. They could score all the goals. They could, they've got Florian Wirtz, who's a wonderful player. And... Never rule out Jose Mourinho, people yeah. used to say. That's uh, right. He's still in it. Roma. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> so that's exciting. I've, I've got th- th- too Steve, many numbers. Steve's giving you the, uh, the, the, the um, hard of sight view. The, <laughs> it's too late. I'll go through all of the scores, shall I, from the last round of... Si- no, no one wants no. me to do that. Union Berlin. Union, Union. Union Saint-Gilloise. <laughs> Three. Union Berlin got Union Berlin by Union San Gilloise. That's fun, isn't Bayer it? By Leverkusen. 2 0. Ferenc Varossi. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, okay, anything you want to say on the Europa League, JJ? Uh, let's move on. Excellent. Oh, it's a break. <laughs> well, I think we all need a break. That was a break.
what's what have you written here, Steve? We've got a break here. Oh no, it says before the break. I thought so we had a break, Cor- and then Street. and then all of this filler stuff, and then it's like time for a break afterwards. So I know you're I'm supposed to a... do this before the break. Oh yeah, I wrote before a break in massive writing. <laughs> oh, it does say before a break. Well, I haven't been paying attention to anything you've been writing. Um, I would read that as all like fairness, before a break. <laughs> In fairness, last week, uh, Joe um, was hosting, obviously, as he usually does. And uh, he just read all of this stuff after a break. So I figured it was fine. So You cor- can do what you like. You're in charge. You do Thanks. whatever you want, my yeah. This it. is all, keeping, all staying in. Why have we got something on Coronation Street here? I haven't... I haven't Michael Bailey, oh, Michael is, Bailey the is the aspiring entrepreneur Street. son of Ed and Aggie. There we go. I'm sure everyone here watches Coronation Street. Uh, I did think I might have known that. Could you sort of pick up on... Anyway, uh, no, uh, anyone not know what nominative <laughs> determinism is? Is that there just so I can't say it? I think it is. Time for a break. Oh, no, we've just done that. <laughs> FA Cup quarterfinal this coming weekend. So we've had the European Cups. Now we've got the greatest cup competition of them all in football, said someone once. Probably the BBC. Are we allowed to talk about the BBC? Maybe not. <laughs> Manchester City will be in good company. That's a pun because they, uh, their former club captain returns as manager of Burnley, who are known as the Clarets, in a stellar cup, FA Cup quarterfinal tie. <laughs> watching you have a meltdown live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happened. Burnley, Manchester City. That's, that's fun, isn't it? That's company's return. Is it at the, where is it? That sounds like a good name for yes, a movie. Yes, it's at the Etihad. <laughs> company's return. Yes. There will be one, won't there? Steve, find me a film called Companies Return. Probably not with a K. <laughs> the only goal in his mind is revenge. Have you ever filed a match report where you do it via like phone and just seeing it? When I, fir- when I first started, I covered uh, Lowest Off Town. My first job as a sports journalist was covering Lowest Off Town, which is the most easterly club in England. What division were they in at the time? I don't know that. It was like lower tiers of tiers. Uh, but it was in the FA Vars. Um, and yes, I had to. We had a Saturday evening news. Oh my god, I'm so old. Saturday evening newspaper where you had to a file. So I had to ring up before the game with the team news and then just sort of talk. I didn't have a laptop. But there was no internet. <laughs> Literally no internet. I don't think. So I rang through the report and then I had to ring through ring through one after ten minutes and then at half time and then sixty minutes and then eighty five minutes with an intro, hoping that that was how it would finish. That sounds like a real it's, ring cycle there, doesn't it's, it? It's so uh, it's impossible there to get it all through. So it's sort of ghostwritten back in the day, almost. So well, the, you, yeah. So, you, so I, I'm just wondering how people get through like, all the beautiful written paragraphs. Well, the person on the phone would write it. Yeah. <laughs> this just happened. Yeah, they used to just verbatim read it out, yeah. right? And then there would be yeah. someone on the other end being like, "Exactly, Which slow you can down, imagine. slow down." Imagine someone transcribing this podcast. You know, it's impossible to write something coherent from talking. Um, but Lowestoft actually went all the way to the FA Vars final. I, I, Managed to and then watch men, them and at then lost. They did lose, yeah, to AFC Filed, as they're called now. So who's the current winner staying on? <laughs> mm, no. Is it still a thing, the, the <laughs> FA Cup vase? Yep. FA, no. uh, FA Cup vase. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, other ties in the FA Cup quarterfinals as we preview the mouthwatering cup weekend. We've got Manchester United, Fulham. We should talk about Fulham. Brighton against Grimsby. <laughs> <laughs> wow I mean that could be 10 or could it is that unfair on Grimsby does that anyway any Grimsby fans listening let us know your thoughts um Grimsby Grimsby had an amazing result are they falling in how are they doing it <laughs> <laughs> what 
How are they giving you their thoughts? What are they doing? Well, I was just talking as if we were live. You know, oh, com- yeah. Live comments. I see. Yeah. File, you know, put, put but I in. need to make sure. You know that we're not. Well, <laughs> in the same way we record the intro at the end of the podcast, yes. I think it's perfectly fine. Do we uh, need to put up a thing on the podcast now that says this was recorded in advance of in the, a zoo. you seeing yeah. this? <laughs> so please do not call these numbers because you won't be able to vote if, for if, the winner of Strictly Come if Dancing. They, if they find the number, they deserve a medal. Sheffield United Blackburn. What do you guys think about that one, John? Sheffield United, Blackburn. Yeah. Yeah, they're two football clubs. Um, North of England. Yeah. Paul Heckingbottom's boys. Good knowledge. Against, uh, is it Mick McCarthy at Blackburn? It's absolutely not, no. It's John Dahl Thomason. Oh, how's he been? Has he been all right? They've been all right. They are, they are the uh, informed team. Fulham equivalent of the championship, I'd say. Absolutely terrible figures, but they still seem to be in the top six. Okay. So who do you think is going to win that tie? Well, Sheffield United uh, knocked out Spurs in the last round, of course, as everyone knows, and they are second in the championship, flying high. Could Therefore, well be back they're better in, than Spurs, right? Back in the yeah. yeah. So. Well, obviously by default they've not. Yeah. Been, so the big question uh, is: Are Blackburn better than Spurs? Who did Blackburn knock out? Well, if Blackburn beat Sheffield United, they've knocked out Southampton. I don't know who Blackburn knocked out in the last round. I, I, my we don't know very much, do we? Considering we're a football podcast. I've, anyway, I've, things I do know: the current champions of the FA Vars are Newport Pagnell Town. Good knowledge. Mm. Well, I got it from Wikipedia. And the most successful club is Whitley Beer. Where are Four they, times. John? Four times. Where, where, where are they? In yeah. Whitley, presumably. Okay. In Whitley Bay. I just wasn't sure after you said it. The Bay in Whitley. I've been to Whitley Bay. Lowest off played Whitley Bay. They are they are perennial FA Vars. Uh, well, they've won it four times. They won exactly. That's just yeah. what I said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for your input. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> uh, are we done? Any, is is who's going to win the FA yet? Cup? You looked what? at, look, it's 13.17. That's exactly an hour oh my gosh. after the last time that you looked at the, the the clock. It's as if I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely professional this week, don't you think? Yes. I think so. I nailed it. Really good. Who's going to win the FA Cup? Yeah. Then? Who's going to win the FA Cup? Manchester City. Yes. I mean, we don't know, obviously. that's. I bet United do it. I bet United end up winning that and they win two cups. Cup double. They, yeah, they'll call it the double. Yeah. The, they do, the major they do. trophy double. I wonder if they would. Hmm. They could do. They Manchester, could, Manchester could final. Manchester final. Brighton. Brighton could beat all of those teams and win an FA Cup. Grims, Grimsby could beat all those teams and win an I mean, FA we Cup. Could, we could just list all eight teams, really, because <laughs> they are still in it. Burnley could do it, yeah. I've always wondered. Um, I don't think any reasonable team-sized team has a worse record than Norwich in the FA Cup. They've never been to a final. That's like, you know. That's pretty bad. It's Norwich. <laughs> What's, what's your take on Burnley coming up in, into the Premier League? Do you think they'll fit in? I uh, really like Vincent Company. Oh, nice. I really like him as a manager. I think he's brilliant. I think uh, if they've got a transfer embargo, that's not going to be very helpful. But because apparently that's not going to last very long. It's just a, it's just a They're just a sort of self-imposed. Yeah, I think so. because Between they're, they're March wanting, and April. They're wanting to make sure that they don't break the rules. So they're during, imposing it and it's going to get sorted out by next month. During is what a they say. closed part of the transfer well, yeah, window. I mean, I think they're, they're just doing things by the book. It's they? literally the most pointless thing. That is literally pointless. Have you have you seen Burnley in the flesh? Have you, yes, twice. Yes. Both, both yes. times. And you think they look good? They, they were brilliant at Carrow Road, I thought. And uh, they won 3 0. And uh, yeah, I just think you just have to buy four or five really good players. And they play a style of football uh, where, you know, when you get promoted, if you're trying to do it against players that are athletic and very capable of doing it themselves then you can get found out which is my Norwich scars coming through but yeah Burnley are great they'll be lots of fun you did a great video about Burnley on the TIFO IRL YouTube channel 
You should go and watch that. Thanks, JJ. That's very kind. Um, but yeah, Burnley will win the FA Cup then. That seems That's like decided. the logical conclusion yep. from that. And that is the bit where it says finally. So I reckon we're done. Steve's nodding gratefully. Uh, that's enough for this episode. So say our goodbyes, shall we? Thank you very much, JJ Bull. Yes. Thank you very much, John McKenzie. Yes. Thank you very much to Steve and Jamie, who are in that box there, but you can't see them. Although someone might find a screen grab on there's a great, social There's a media, great view of me saying something and Steve looking like this. Yeah. You have to, they're going to have to start watching what they do, aren't we? Because that's... Yeah. And uh, David Walker as well, famous um, for doing the the uh, the football cliches podcast. I think the last time, indeed, lovely man. poked his head through the door. But how much do we stage? Almost like it's an art piece, like the 1975 current tour, where they have all stuff and you don't know what's going on, what's real, what's not. It's clever. That's it's certainly la- how I feel about this podcast. The last time I did this, Joe walked past in the window, and he, he was, was like, also, "There's Joe," and he was also in the studio at the same time. Was he under the table? Yeah. Well, no, it's like Just in The Simpsons when they say that, you know, these cartoons are poorly made with, they have huge errors and then Homer walks past the window while he's also inside <laughs> in the living room. But I realised uh, they didn't really signpost that, so the setup was poor. So I, thought it still, I thought it still worked. Yeah, well. uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. And goodbye. Athletic.